0: This is Your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Ultimate Life, the podcast dedicated specifically to helping you create a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy by serving with your divine gifts. Today's episode 748, and I'm excited to have with me a special guest today, Clint Hatton. Clint, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Kellen. It's my pleasure to be with you today.
1: So... Uh, I always start more or less with one question, and then we'll just go from there. I define living an ultimate life as having a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you create by serving with your gift. How would Clint define his ultimate life?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, let me say that's a great, great definition. That's a hard one to beat. Um, I think what I'll what I'll do is I'll just kind of expound on that because those are three powerful words that would fit my life too. But you know, I think it changes over time. You know, as we get a little bit older and we get a little bit wiser and our priorities tend to shift a little bit, um, I think it changes a little bit. And so for me, what that means is I really value the time that I spend with my family. And with my intimate friends, uh, more so than I did when I was a little bit younger. I just turned 57 here a couple of weeks ago, and 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 because a part of our story too, that's that's caused me to to really take a hard look at priorities. But um, but beyond that, beyond the scope of just what brings me the most joy, which is those two things, it would be having an impact on this planet. You know, I, I have a talk that's called "What Will They Say When You're Gone," and you know, we're, we're all familiar with eulogies, right? We're familiar with when someone passes away, hopefully someone gets up and says really beautiful, nice things. Right. Um, but we don't do it until they're gone. And, you know, I got to thinking about that and, you know, I, I, I want to live a life every day that, that speaks to what people are going to say about me when I'm gone. And, and I believe to, to your uh, the purpose of your show and living an ultimate life. I believe what that means is that when I'm gone, people aren't just going to list off, Oh, he had X amount of money and he had a couple of houses or, you know, he, he did this or that. It was how I treated people, how I made them feel and how did I add value to their life that caused them to live a life using, and I'm going to steal your words because they're wonderful purpose, prosperity, and joy.
1: I I love that, and I know, and but our audience doesn't know uh, the story that's affected your life greatly and brought you some purpose and sharply focused your love and treasuring of time with family. And so, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to to share with us what is the story, however you want to describe it, that that drives your love of. A family of intimate relationships and stuff like that. So tell us a little bit about that, please.
2: Yeah, thank you, Kellen. Well, I'll start with just simply this. You know, I'm, I am a personal development coach, and I've been helping people and mentoring people for almost twenty years. So, the desire to help people, the desire to you know help them make their lives better, is is not new. But I did have uh, a really really difficult tragic situation happened in my life that has put my compassion on steroids and what that is is about three years ago uh, my oldest son his name was gabriel had become a pilot he he was a very unique young man i mean i mean he's he's my son so of course all parents feel that way but he was pretty unique in that at eight years old he went up with his uncle danny in a little plane and just something happened to him you know and he i, I gotta be a pilot you know and uh so i you know, we, we were like okay you know and then expected next week he'd want to be a fireman and the week after that play in the nfl or you know whatever but it just it never went away and so by the time he was 16 years old he was um he, by then he was in his second year of high school uh he had actually soloed he had joined a club that had given him an opportunity to work on planes learn the ins and outs of aviation and he literally soloed before he got his driver's license which was a little strange, and then about a year later, at 17, which is the youngest you can be when you uh, to earn a private pilot's license, he passed the exam first time out, uh, passed his check ride first time out, and became a licensed pilot. And he was living his dream. And then on September 23rd of 2019, he was gaining hours, which you know, uh, any of your listeners that maybe you know are a pilot or at least know someone who is. They know it's all about the hours. So he's on a trip to Arkansas, which is which is north of where I am here in Dallas, and drops off a friend that he was taken back to school. And then on his return trip, unfortunately, he ran into an unexpected weather system. The NTSB ruled that uh, he suffered from spatial disorientation, and he crashed and he lost his life, living his dream. So you know, as you can imagine, Calvin, it's it was a a massive massive blow to us Um, so there's some decisions that we made really early on that lead into answering your question and you know i think the the first one was is when we sat on the couch the morning after his crash uh, i was yet or i had yet to tell my two other sons the news yet and so they had just gotten up they had no idea what we had gone through the entire night because it was it was a pretty long and and painful you know nightmarish night waiting to find out what had really happened and, and uh, so i sat with them they were 9 and 14 at the time and i just looked at them and and a lot of this comes from you know experience of having worked with other families over the years who have suffered tragedy i said listen boys you know we have two choices we can choose to live the rest of our lives focused on his death the crash you know the the tragic way of losing him the fact that we're not going to get to celebrate birthdays and holidays and 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 some of the milestones of life and if that's our focus we are not going to live an impactful life we're going to be shells of who we were created to be so there's a second choice and that's the one we're going to we're going to lead with today and that is we're going to choose to live like the way he lived and so big, Bull brave, we'll probably get into that. That phrase hadn't existed yet, but Gabriel attacked life. You know, he had become a pilot. He taught himself a guitar. He was an amazing photographer. We're, we're really blessed to have literally thousands of photos that he took over the course of years. It was amazing. So he wasn't just a pilot, but he was passionate. He graduated a year early. I mean, just, he was this, this kid who, if you want to call him an overachiever, you could, but really it was just about life was an adventure you know, and, and it was always like, what's next. Um, and so I said, that's, that's how we're going to live. And so Colin, the, the reason why that made an impact and changed me and, and my pursuit of life is in reflecting on that and how he lived his life. I recognized that even in my own life, there were pockets of fear, um, there were things that I had said, such as launching a personal development company that I had said I wanted to do for probably 10 years or more. And I never had the courage to do it, you know? And and so as, as awful as the mechanism was to kick me in the butt, which was losing my son, uh, I realized that, you know, I've helped people, I've I've fulfilled some of my purpose, but there's a lot more. And I do want to live the ultimate life of, doing the things that I know I was created to do that in some cases I just didn't have the courage to step out and do.
1: That's, um, it is is a tragedy on one hand, but if you know that you were created by divine, the divine, and if you know that you and Gabriel have gifts and you know that one of his gifts was to attack life and create it as he wanted to, yeah. Then you also know that you'll see him again, and that those relationships aren't permanently over, right?
2: Yeah. No, that's 100 that's percent true, Colin. And, and that's you know certainly our faith in, in not just believing, but just knowing that to be true uh, is, is huge, and it's definitely been a helpful uh, part of our life. But I think also, you know when a death occurs, and there's so many of your listeners, I'm sure, who have, who have suffered a loss of some kind, um, it it can either drive you into an early grave. And what I mean by that is, is you, you just quit living or right. it will or it' or it'll make you really intentionally live out your life recognizing that time is so precious the veil is so thin between this side and eternity. And why, why would I spend the rest of my life being lesser than who I was created to be?
1: You know, that's interesting because when we see our loved ones again, uh, I just thought of, as you said that, I can hear someone asking one of their loved ones that, why did you live your life, you know, so much less than you could have? And I, I certainly as I think about it, I don't want to hear that question, you know, to me. I see on the wall behind you a guitar. Can you tell me about that?
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I always get asked that because, you know, people want to, oh, you play, and I wish I could say the answer was yes, I don't. Uh, actually, what happened several years ago, I, I spent many, many, many years in a pastoral role, and so uh, a lot of the speaking engagements I did were of of that nature, and one one Sunday morning after I had uh, done a talk. I had a gentleman come up to me. He was kind of a a biker looking guy. He had the full biker outfit and the tattoos and the whole nine yards. And he came up to me and he was in tears. And I'm like, you know, Hey, you know, what's going on? And he said, and the funny thing was, is he wasn't moved by the talk I just gave, which is kind of a funny side note. It was actually a talk I had done a couple months before, but he came up to me and he said, man, you know, you said, blah, 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 blah. And it really changed my life. And I feel like god is telling me i need to give you a gift and he turns around and he's got this guitar case and it's got like all these roadie stickers you know and and it was very clear that you know he used it a lot he opens it up and it's this les paul that you're seeing in the background this red guitar and i was blown away and so uh it, it honestly it was a little bit difficult to receive at the time i, I tried to talk him out of it for a couple of minutes, but he was so intent and so sincere that he felt like it was something he had to do. So I received it. And so the reason why it's in this room is that was one of the things that Gabriel did to attack life. He decided one day I want to play guitar. And the funny thing was he didn't tell us, Kellen, we didn't even know that he was trying to learn guitar. And then one night we're in the living room, which is not, I don't, I don't have a small house, but not a huge house. And we're in the living room sitting down my bride and I, and all of a sudden I I hear this guitar riff and I looked at her and I was like, did you hear that? And she's like, yeah, that sounded live, (laughs) you know? So we come into his room and sure enough, he's playing this rock riff, you know, I want, I can't remember the song. I want to say it was stairway to heaven, but it was very good. And we're like, when did you learn to play guitar? And he's like, I've been watching YouTube videos. So I've, I've kept it on display. It's, it's a reminder of, of just the beauty of attacking life. And of course, it reminds me of him as well.
1: It is, you know, and the whole purpose of this is to help each person who listens, whether it's through your story or whoever, to, to make a choice, the same kind of choice you outlined for your sons and the choice that we all have to live defensively or to live into the gifts that we are given, because there's no no doubt that we have them. There's also no doubt that we receive those nudges, those spiritual intuitions from time to time to do something, whether it's to talk to someone or to learn something new or to go somewhere or to quit a job or to apply for this job or to do whatever it is. We hear them, we feel them, and we ignore them a lot. And the invitation that you're offering is for people to to say yes to those invitations
2: absolutely you know i i believe that there's at least three i'm going to say at least because i'm obviously there's probably more but there's three things that we all share i believe my tagline for what i do is courageous humans inspiring lives i believe that we were all created with a courage within us like in us. I truly believe that. I also think that we are all created to be compassionate. That's why when we see tragedies happen and floods and different things, you see humanity, uh, the best of humanity come out and and people just risk their lives sometimes to help someone. And then I th- I also believe that we have a creative nature in us. You know, I, I don't know if you ever heard this one, Colin. If, I'm going to tell you this uh, for your audience, because I think it could really benefit somebody out there. Because I think when we talk about that creative nature in us, a lot of people have a hard time defining that. And they think because they're not an artist or they don't you know play music or something along those lines that they're not creative. And NASA many years ago did a study. They brought in Dr. George Land and Beth Jarman. And what they did was they developed a highly specialized test so that they could effectively measure the creative potential of their rocket scientists. So NASA had a very specific purpose behind it. And so ultimately they developed this, this, uh, this test. It was very unorthodox and it was rooted in the process, of what they call divergent thinking, which is simply the ability to look at a particular problem and propose multiple solutions. So it was very successful. And it was also very simple. So what they did was the, the, uh, sci- or not the scientists, but the, the uh, doctor, George and Beth, they decided on their own, we're going to take this a step further. So, listen to this. This is what they did. They took 1,600 students that were four and five years old, and they ran them through this same exact test designed to measure creative uh, genius. 98% Colin tested as a creative genius. Now, where it got really fascinating is then they they tested the same kids, sixteen hundred kids five years later in grade school. That number now dropped to thirty percent. They did it again another five years later now they're they're basically in the high school range. It dropped down to twelve percent testing as a creative genius. and then they did it again around the age of twenty five which most of us understand that's typically when your brain's you know about done cooking, right. And it dropped to two. And I remember when I heard that, I just exploded with excitement, even though that's a sad statistic, right? Because what that tells me is, is everybody has a creative nature in them. So the question is, what stole it? What pressed it down? What trauma? What maybe it was a school system. Maybe it was the way they were raised. There's a lot of reasons why that could happen. But it's in everybody, Colin, and, and, and we can tap into it and it's not lost.
1: I love that, and you used three C words, creative, courageous, and what was the third one?
2: Uh, compassionate.
1: Compassion. I want you to talk more. You just gave me the beautiful story, and I, I completely know that. I know it from my own experience, and I know it from my own growth experience, and I know it from people that I work with as a coach. Uh, so talk about um, – you said big, bold, brave was part of your your work and the words that you use and creative, compassion, and courage. <laughs> I like those. I like the alliteration, and I also like the, <laughs> the words themselves. I want you to talk a little bit more about the big, bold, brave, and I want you to talk a little bit more about creativity, courage, and compassion. How do they fit together, and what... What can you teach us and help us learn about those things?
2: Yeah, well, with Big Bull Brave, the the way that happened was the morning after uh, Gabriel's accident and he had passed away. Because he was so young, it was becoming news. Um, and so we were contacted by a couple of different news networks. One of them was NBC here in Dallas. And a very kind reporter, Um, She, you know, just reached out to me and she said, I'd like to do an interview. And, you know, this is the morning of, so as you can imagine, we were a complete train wreck emotionally. And so I, I, I just politely said, there's no way I I can't do it. And at the end of the call, she said, please just reconsider it. And here's why, Uh, because she knew, you know, I was a man of faith. We were a family of faith. She said, this is going to go, uh, it's, it's going to be a story with or without you. If you don't do an interview, then it's basically going to be an interview about, or not an interview, but it's just going to be a a story about his death. But if you'll allow me to talk to you about it, you can tell whatever story you want. You can include your faith. And you can control the narrative basically. And so I didn't agree immediately, but hung up and and I had other, my bride was there. My father-in-law was here. And uh, it was actually my father-in-law that ended up being the one to encourage me, you know, based on the the first step I already explained to you that we took that first morning as he said, listen, because I know it's going to be hard, but if if you want to live this thing out the way you're talking about, then this could be the first step where you get a chance to talk about his life and not let this report be just about him dying. And so I did. Uh, I invited her over and we did an interview in our living room. And so what what ended up happening was is at some point, Colin, I don't even remember saying it, but I said he lived his life big, bold, and brave. It wasn't a thing, you know, it was just words that came out. But what ended up happening was is when she uh, finished putting together the segment and it aired that night on the local news, it was about a three-minute segment. At the end, she didn't use my words or you know, video of me saying it. Instead, at the end, just before she signed off, she said, and Gabriel's parents want to encourage you to live your life like gabriel big bold and brave and and when those words were spoken back to me in that moment there was just something in it you know and it it didn't become anything immediately you know it wasn't the next day i started okay big bold brave i'm gonna launch a company i'm gonna write a book you know there was just it was something in those words that gave us a language to focus on living well, and that's so, powerful.
1: Go yeah, ahead. Keep going. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, you know, obviously I gave away the rest of the story in the sense that ultimately it did become the name of my personal development um, coaching company. And it did become my book, which is big, Bull brave, how to live courageously in a risky world. And I think, you know, living big, bull, brave for me in, in a real concise statement is a lot of what we've already talked about. It's living a Life on purpose. It's living a life where you are attacking life. You don't allow fear to stop you from doing the things that you really have in your heart to do. And you have an impact on people. And that's where, you know, courage, that's where compassion, uh, that's where those things come into play. And so I think I can give you just a real example of how this works because those words. I mean they're catchy right they're they're catchy it's kind of a catchy three word um yes phrase.
1: it is absolutely
2: it is and you but it doesn't mean much <laughs> you know unless you you can apply it to something you're doing and it doesn't have to be grand you know i remember the day after the crash and you know anyone out there right now that that is um you know lost a loved one and, and especially if they've lost a child which is just it feels very unnatural. Um, You know, you're a mess. But what ended up happening was we discovered there was two groups of people that day. One was the young lady that was on the flight with him. It was one of his best friends that he took back to the University of Arkansas and thank God dropped her off safely. You know, the only thing that would have made that tragedy any worse is if he would have had someone with him. And, And so her and her mother, who was the one who asked him to fly her, uh, they were they were distraught. They thought that we hated them. They thought that we were going to blame them. It was their fault. You know, all those things, survivor syndrome, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, we immediately, my wife had their uh, phone numbers and she texted them and had them come over to the house immediately. So they were in our home. The, I mean, this is the day after the crash uh, in our home. And so why did we do that? Because it was important to have compassion for them too it was important to to love on them too and i and i ended up saying something later on that i think applies is it didn't matter colin that we hurt the most out of anybody in this tragedy it just mattered that other people hurt too and so we we talked with her we we encouraged her Uh, We prayed with her. We, I mean, we hugged, we shed a ton of tears and all those things, but we just spoke life into her. And I think the reason why that's so important and and why one of the three C's for me is compassion is there's something about the way we are geared as humans, the way God created us, that there's this desire in us to express compassion and have compassion on people. And even in our darkest moment, because that was as dark as it's ever going to get it it somehow brought a measure of healing to us, too. And I believe, and there was a couple other scenarios very similar similar to this in the first forty eight hours that we did similar things. I believe that really helped us in that early stage of just getting through what I like to call i I call the first year of a grieving uh, of this type the shock and off phase. You know, you don't even know how it's going to hit. You don't know when it's going to hit. You don't know what the triggers are going to be. You know, so so it's just it's just trying to come to terms with your life has changed forever. You know, and and you don't have the full calendar year of birthdays and milestones and people graduating and all the different things that you're about to experience without that person that you love so deeply. But there was something about having compassion, loving and serving other people, even in the midst of our worst pain was healing. And, and it helped us live this intentional life that we said we were going to live.
1: So, you know, one of the things that I talk about all the time is that my experience has taught me that we are created to love and serve one another. And we are happiest when we are loving and serving one another and even one more degree we are happiest when we love and serve one another with the gifts that we were given we are given those gifts to serve and love we weren't just given them as a test to see what (laughs) happened and i agree with what you said earlier about the system or upbringing or whatever beating them out of us and i think one of our opportunities as coaches is to help, I think of coaching as being in the people encouragement business. And I have a client who has a phrase, people need encouragement more than they need advice, and I love that, is to help as best we can people trust, to connect, to find those gifts, to trust them, to use them specifically with the intention of loving and serving those. And what I know, and you know this too, is when you do that, creating money and a living is actually not very complicated. It's not hard to do if you're truly using your gifts to love and serve those around you. So I I want you to tell me big, bold and brave. When you, when you work with someone who comes to you and says, whatever they say, the excuses, the reasons, the stories, what kinds of things do you start with to help someone change the narrative that has them living small, frightened, and not brave? You know, the opposite end of those continuings. How do you start helping someone to to believe a new thing about themselves?
2: Yeah, that, that is a great question. And I think that's the difference— um, between a true coach, right. And, and someone who just maybe has some, uh, motivational phrases that they've memorized. I think it always involves asking a lot of what I like to call, you know, courageous questions. Um, I think what I always like to start out with is I ask them a lot of questions about where they see their life. I've got a couple of exercises that I sometimes have them do as well. That gives you kind of a, a, General picture of how they see their life. What's the, what's the scale of one to ten, in, in their marriage, and their career, and their health, uh, and, and how do they score it, and what's their life satisfaction? So I include some some mechanisms to get some information too, but mostly I just like to ask questions because what I have found is very quickly through the words that they use, you will really begin to uncover some of those deeper things that are really holding them back. And they typically don't even realize it, but there's key words and and you'll sometimes hear the word fear, or sometimes they'll talk about being intimidated or they'll talk about fear of rejection. They, now they may not even use that exact word, but the way they're describing who they are and how they've lived their life, those things just begin to be uncovered. And so I've always found that that's, that's gotta be the start. And to be, you know, very candid. I didn't start out that way years ago. I would try to just get right into success principles and things like that. And then I realized that more often than not, most people wouldn't follow through on any of it. And I began to realize it's because it had way more to do with their belief system than anything else. What what stories were they telling themselves about who they are and what they were capable of and what their hurdles were and, and those types of things. So uh, I just, I love to dig into who they think they are <laughs> so that we can begin to unpack who they want to be.
1: I love that. So who you believe you are is is everything. And who you how you show up in the world is funny because people ask me, you know, I'm like, I'm sure they ask you, what do you, what do, you do, quote, as a coach? And people come for all kinds of reasons. They want to build a business. They want to make more money. They want to fix a relationship. They want to do this, that, and the other. And within a few sessions, it's really clear that what you're working on is how you're showing up in the world, who you're being, because what you can have comes from that. So I want uh, to take the last minute or so that we've got, and I want you to tell us how to find you, how to find your book, how to find your stuff, how to get in touch with you, how to learn more about Big Bold Brave, and uh, whatever they might want to learn about Clint.
2: Well, thank you so much. Uh, what I'd like your listeners to do is just go to my website, which is bigboldbrave.us. And I know some of them are sticklers for uh, for accuracy. I do know it's .us, <laughs> but I really believe we don't do anything great on this planet without collaboration. So I choose to say it's bigboldbrave.us. And if they go there, they're going to find everything that they would want to find about me. You can learn a little bit about our story Um, you you'll see some really cool videos of some stuff with Gabriel, if you're interested in that, but my coaching philosophies are on there, the, the, um, the mechanism to be able to contact me to speak at a corporate event and bring a life giving message. That kind of thing is all on there as well, as well as the book. And then if, uh, if they go to the website, they'll also find all my social media platforms, which they can choose which one they like to follow. And I would love for them to connect with me.
1: Thank you. Clint, I want to thank you for being open, for sharing, and more than anything, I want to thank you for your being in the world, for making a choice to love and serve, and let the tragedy that you have discovered or experienced refine you in such a way that you are a light. Thank you. Yeah,
2: you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me on, Killen.
1: I want to encourage all of you listeners to to not only listen a couple of times, but just consider where in your life tragedies could refine you that maybe you're allowing them to hold you back or pull you down instead of refine you and make you more compassionate and tap into your creativity. Because I know if you do that, you'll be closer to creating your ultimate life. Why open your heart in this time?